Ranked Squad. It is that time of the week again where this terrible trio tied together to talk through the trials and tribulations from the touchlines. Touching on tactics and transfers as we traverse the twisting territories of tackles and target men. Oh yes, it's BR Football Ranks. Public service announcement. If you're listening to this on the internet and you're not already, get locked in by subscribing on iTunes or Spotify or whichever podcast platform you like. And if you're already a subscriber, one, thank you. We love you. And two, do us a favor, text a mate who'd love the pod and let them know to get involved. It really helps us to grow and we'd massively appreciate it. Right housekeeping done we're doing things a little bit differently today this week we're shape-shifting the studio into a soccer surgery becoming the doctors of defensive diagnosis the medical maestros of midfield malfunctions the surgeons of substandard strikers here to determine the teams in desperate need of a full body checkup and some real medication over the course of this summer transfer window my name is jack collins and i'll be your favorite friendly neighborhood receptionist at today's pop-up surgery calling the numbers so that all that need it get a chance to see the doctors on duty today diagnoser in chief for these sickly squads the oncologist of order the ranking radiologist is ranked doctor sam ty hello jack and backing up Sam's diagnosis by prescribing players fit for practice, the surgeon of the summer swap, our very own in-house positional pharmacy. It's a dispensary of Dean Jones. I like that, mate. Hello. Hello. Well, before we get onto these things, I can feel a little bit of a fever coming on. It's time for hot takes. Dean, <laughs> do you want to start us off? I've missed hot takes. Um, we only had it one week we missed, didn't we? And, and already you've, uh, you've already. missed it. Anyway, we're straight back in with me claiming... We should scrap this rule where fourth place in the Premier League gets this place in the Champions League automatically. You should have to work much harder than that for your spot in the Champions League. And I propose it goes to a playoff. Fourth place, fifth place, sixth place, seventh place should have to fight it out for that fourth Champions League spot. Now, Tottenham fans will probably hate this idea. Let's face it, they don't really deserve... That's bait, that spot. They don't have a divine right to it. They, yes, lost, they, thir- they lost 13 games they in the Premier the League last season. They got most points this season. So they they lost 13 it. games in the Premier League last season. That is poor. The race for the top four was actually quite exciting for a bit. And then when Tottenham sealed it, really nobody cared because it wasn't that interesting at that point. Um, I think an end of season playoff between four, five, six and seven would bring a new dimension to the league, really give extra motivation as well to teams to really push on at the end. And also, look, as it stands, nobody outside the big six clubs has any chance whatsoever of ever playing in the Champions League. No one, as it stands in in this in this setup Mm. of making it into the top four. So let's give some hope to teams like Wolves that they can actually go on and achieve something even greater than what they've managed this season by finishing seventh and getting into the second round qualifying of the Europa League um you say fourth play against seventh so Spurs would play against Wolves they play at home so Tottenham still have the advantage yeah. no two legs or just the one leg one leg one game okay yeah logistical question what yeah. happens if one of these teams wins the Champions League and therefore get automatic entry back in from winning the Champions League do we throw it to eighth yeah so what? So it doesn't start until after the Champions League final in June. It's a, it's a. It, I, have, I have issues Jack, with logistics. We've got to take one step at a time as we <laughs> when we're coming. It sounds to like you. Are, it football. sounds like you are overreacting to what has been a fairly drab race for the top four at the end of no, this. No, I quite like this. Though. Playoffs season. are great. Playoffs are happened in Holland. They have to do it for the uh, for the Europa League spot for four, five, six, and seven. They've been playing it out. See who makes it. 
Let's bring that in. Like, let's liven up the Premier League. I love playoffs as a neutral, but I can't stand by them as, as like, say, if you're a fan of a club that's in them. They're too excruciating. I, I can't get behind it. I feel like Dean is, it just got a bit bored with three weeks to go at the end of the season here and it's yeah, just decided to change enough. everything. It was boring. No, but you can't just react based on one season. But why should, to- like, it's the Champions League, right? Tottenham in terms of league positioning, mm-hmm. they have no right to that. And they're even more deserving than Wolves, who are in seventh. Anyway, what's your hot takes, Sam? <laughs> so this week, I've been trying to figure out who Juventus should hire as their new manager. Because as we know, Max Allegri is not going to continue as manager for much longer. He won't be there at the start of next season. Yep. It's actually a really difficult question to answer. I was in favour of Juve sacking their manager because I don't think they've lived up to what they should have. But they have backed themselves into a little bit of a corner here where there aren't that many options. I've basically come to the conclusion that they should hire Jose Mourinho. Mm. Now, about three weeks ago, I sat here, or more accurately, slightly further to my left, and said that Mourinho should join Inter. But based on what we know at the moment, Conte is going to go to Inter Milan. That's exciting on its own, by the way, because he's a former Juventus captain crossing the Derby Italia divide. Yes, absolutely. And really, Juve should be looking at Conte, but he left on bad terms, so that really can't happen. So you rule him out. You're going to rule Guardiola and Pochettino out, presuming that they're not on the table. I think you should rule out Maurizio Sarri, even though he has been linked over the last couple of days. I don't think... Um, a, a club that is so obsessed with their own brand, as Juventus are, should be considering appointing a chain-smoking 60-plus-year-old as their manager. I genuinely don't think that fits for them. And Simone Inzaghi isn't a big name either. Rafa Benitez doesn't seem to have the personality. Simeone would never cross that divide. You start to look at a little bit further down. Gasparini at Atalanta, he's messed up big jobs before. You see where I've gone with this. I've tried to work out who could who could possibly manage them. I've come up with Mourinho. Just or Ronaldo and Mourinho back together. If you want to go totally rogue, Arsene Wenger. But I'm going to go Jose Mourinho. The key thing for Juve here... You have to hire one of the best in the game because they are one of the best teams in the game. They need a big name because they're brand orientated. And he has to be a person who can win now because they are obsessed with this Champions League window. They've bought Ronaldo. They've added him to Bonucci and Chiellini. A lot of their players or their, their key men are 30 plus. Yeah. They think they have a short term window to win this Champions League. They messed it up this season. They're obsessed with it. And you cannot appoint a, a manager if you're Juventus who needs three to five years as a project. I just don't think it works with the squad. I've come up with Mourinho. What do you think? I was going to throw it to Dean. Like, Dean seems to be very anti this. Well, I just don't like it. Like They really want to win the Champions League so they they go and buy Ronaldo and then Allegri can't do it with them. So they're like, okay, now let's go and get Mourinho. Like, I mean, it adds up. Is is this is Juventus? They're now a behemoth. They is... don't they don't play by the same rules. They now play by those kind of like, if it doesn't happen now, we sack the manager and on we go kind of rules. It, it's not nice. Not it's not work. good, but it might work. I don't think it'll work. Who's Who would better, you put who's, who's a better shot? Simeone. He wouldn't do it. This is a great great question. I I agree that Simeone would be a better shout, but I don't think he would do it. He seems to be... He's hung on at Atletico much longer than we think than we thought he would and he seems to be sat there waiting for Inter Milan because he loves Inter Milan I don't think you can cross that into Juve divide if you are if you are Diego Simeone well, we just said are... that Conte was going to cross it and, and now you're no, saying but, Mourinho no, no, but he's, he's left Juve on extremely on extremely poor terms like they, I'd say their relationship is, is Mourinho's a legend at Inter I don't think I don't think Juve would hate him as much as you might think as you might think I think he would I be think, okay I don't think Juve fans would be particularly happy about having Mourinho I'm not saying he couldn't win them over because I'm sure he could if if results went well but 
you look at what happened at Man United and how United fans really tried to take some Mourinho. It took him like two years to like really give up on that idea. First season, he was he was very good for them. Yeah, and I just I, he, he, only, he only needs one season here. They just they just need that one Champions League win in this very short window with these players. That's all they're asking for. Right, well, let's go on to the third one. And uh, we got in back to the poll this week for the third hot take. And there was a landslide winner. Over 3,000 of you voted for us to talk about Frank Lampard, who has led Derby County to the championship playoffs and whether he's basically a good manager or not. My take on this is, yes, Lampard's done well. But Derby finished sixth in the championship this season. Last year, under Gary Rowett, Derby finished sixth (laughs) in the championship. They played all right in the playoffs. They were beaten by the Fulham side that eventually won that playoff series. Lampard's came in. He's brought an entire new squad in using young talent, using all his contacts. He's taken a much better squad to exactly the same position as Gary Rowett. There's talk that he's going to be looking at the Chelsea job. Chelsea could bring in Rowett. He did exactly the same (laughs) job at Derby, no? I think Lampard has actually done a good job, like not just a fair job, because he's he's put himself out there by taking the Derby job. There's no link to them. There's no reason for him to go there. So he's really put himself out to go to Derby and have to prove himself. So the fact he's in the playoff final is pretty impressive, if you ask me. It's a really difficult division, especially in your first proper manager's job. Do I think he's ready for Chelsea? I think that would be an absolute disaster if Frank Lampard went to Chelsea. If they really thought that by getting rid of Sarri and bringing in Lampard was the answer, then I can assure you it is not going to be the answer. But there is an element to him that really works in the championship because there is an age of player and there is a type of player that is really inspired by somebody like Frank Lampard. And I think that that's what he's really worked well with that derby. But in terms of, you know, obviously him moving on and and moving up, people are starting to put him in a pantheon of of managers that could do a job in in the Premier League now because he's done all right at derby. You know, if he does take them into the Premier League, he will get back and he'll have the chance to actually grow something. So... Um, It'll be very interesting to see if Derby do make it up because I think it would be a really good opportunity for him to genuinely show what he's made of and whether he's a fraud or not. So the truth is we just have to wait and see. Well, you'd get found out within weeks, wouldn't you, in the Premier League? Let's face it, there's no hiding. You can't blag that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Right, well, that's all for hot takes. Let's get on to the Calcio Clinic. The summer surgery of swaps and switches will be into the squads that need the biggest fixes after the break. Paging Dr. Sam, please let us know what today's surgery is all about. Okay, so today we're going to set the scene for the transfer window. And I've picked out five major European clubs who could look really, really different at the start of next season. They have got a hell of a lot of stuff to do over the course of the summer. We're going to detail it. I'm going to introduce myself now as Dr. Ty, head of surgery. And I would also like this man to my right to hand out the prescriptions at the end of my prognosis. Dispensary of Dean. Absolutely. So he will be prescribing the treatment to some of Europe's top teams. My first patient, so ranking in at number five, is Bayern Munich. Now, if they beat RB Leipzig this weekend in the cup final, they would have done the domestic double because on the final day of the Bundesliga season, they won it. They managed to pit uh, Borussia Dortmund to the post. That that does actually sound okay, doesn't it? Yep. But the circumstances in which they've achieved this felt very uncomfortable. This was the weakest buy-in side we've seen for a while. And by their own lofty standards, they were quite poor for long stretches of this season. Now you add in these, th- these factors. They've lost two legendary wingers in Arjen Robben and Frank Ribéry. They're never going to be able to replace those names, but they're going to have to reinforce this squad with some star quality in the forward areas. At the very least, pick up a winger. Longtime goalkeeper and legend again, Manuel Neuer, has lost a step. Yeah, he's and not on a only, decline. He's 
always injured. He's always injured. They're going to have to look to the future here. I think a right back would be nice if they could, if that could allow them to free up Kimmich to play in midfield a bit more, but it's not absolutely necessary and it has to be cost effective. And I think the managerial discussion is one for another day, so we'll leave it at that point. They've already spent close to 100 million ahead of the summer on Benjamin Pavard and Lucas Hernandez refreshing that defensive line. I don't think they can commit any more than 100 million pounds. So the budget for this revamp is 100 million. Okay, right, Dean. Let's talk to you quickly about the main targets, the ones that have been pushed in the press very recently. Leroy Sane is being thrown about everywhere and long-term target Timo Werner. What's the kind of situation there? Yeah, I wrote about Sane actually just before it, it went out everywhere else and it was based on the fact that you know it was quite obvious he wasn't going to be hanging around if he remained on the bench. So I started looking into the situation then um, and how he was feeling about, I think it was the Champions League game when he was, he was sub again. Um, and the, it came back that he wasn't particularly happy about it, funny enough, and that the first club to show any interest in him was Bayern Munich. So it's all legit. Like Bayern definitely are interested in Leroy Sané, and that's only intensified even since I wrote that for Bleacher Report because of the fact that there just is no room for him to start games while Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling are in this kind of form. Unless Bernardo Silva becomes more central and they're willing to give Leroy Sané a wide berth every week. Yeah, but Maris, Maris keeps coming in and playing as well. Instead exactly. of Sané, Maris, so it's the FA yeah. Cup final. Maris starts on the, on the right-hand side. Sané's on the bench. So he's stuck. So Leroy Sané is genuinely looking at his options. Um, obviously, Pep was at Bayern Munich before and Pep as I'm told, would not stand in Sané's way of going to Bayern Munich. He's got good relations with people at the club there. He's got a good relationship with Sané. He doesn't want to hold him back. So I think that is something that's definitely feasible. I think Timo Werner's an interesting one. I think that um, they've had long-term interest in him. They've been trying to get him out of RB Leipzig to try and get a deal completed even before this, this transfer window was going to open. RB Leipzig just do not want him to join Bayern Munich. They're like, that's not going to help us, is it? Like, fed up of players just going and joining Bayern Munich because yeah. it just leaves us stuck again. So they would much rather sell him to Liverpool, I think, if they could. But um, I bet they'll also- pause on that as well because they play each other in the cup final. <laughs> yeah. So you can't be negotiating for a striker when the two teams meet, like, a week later. Like, that must exactly. be ridiculous. Shades of Mario Gertz there at Dortmund and Bayern. Yeah, absolutely. Right, Sam, who would you prescribe then as your Well, this your one's targets? easy. Dean's made it easy for me because Leroy Sané and Timo Werner are absolutely top of the list here for attacking sparks and new forwards. I think Lewandowski is not particularly old, but they could do with another option there, particularly since Thomas Muller has, feels like he's lost a little step as well. Stanley would definitely reinforce that wing berth and go a long way to replacing one of Robin and Ribery because he is, we know he's class and he has a lot of longevity in, in his career as well. They do have Kingsley Coman there and Serge Gnabry's had a decent season obviously not quite the star power mm. that robbery and Re- Robin and Riri are robbery robbery, um, robbery, robbery were but in terms of how you know they, they seem to be doing their thing slowly and starting to, to break that kind of ground there does seem to be talent there there is definitely talent there but I would I would say that there is I think teams lining up to face Bayern Munich nowadays they don't feel the same fear factor that they did three years ago when yeah. Robin and Ribery were, were tearing down the wings Coleman is very good Gnabry is good they'll have their day but they need someone to come in and try and help them along and Sané is that guy how much do you think Sané and Werner would cost I mean Sané is going to be upwards of 70 80 million good great. um don't forget though, they've also looked at Gareth Bale. They did, yeah. they did consider going in for Bale and they, they did touch base over whether he'd be interested in that. And 
I think he was kind of open to it, but Bayern were like, well, unless you're like really keen on this, then we're not spending that kind of money and wages on you. Like you have to really, really want this for us to go for you. And Bayer wasn't. Where I think with Sané, they're getting much better messages from him. I'll be, you know, let's let's face it. Over the next five years, you'll probably get a better return on your investment anyway off Sané. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Sané and Werner, do you think you get them for a hundred million combined this summer? Um, probably just over that, I reckon. But you can you can give it a good haggle. You can go for it. <laughs> Sally and Werner then, and then it, it, that leads us to the goalkeeper. Yeah, I was going to say I don't you haven't think, left any you haven't left any, any free funds in the bank. I, I yeah. don't I don't think within the budget we're gonna we're gonna come to an agreement on a right back. And with Pavard being able to play on the right hand side and Kimmich too, I think with the budgetary constraints, there's, there's no way that we can we can take a look at that. But the goalkeeper, it has that we have to take a look at that. Uh, Bayern fans won't love it because Neuer has been such a servant for them. He has been so good. But wow, I think, they, I think they need to look at another option here. And the, the style of goalkeeper they employ, the sweeper-keeper, the pool is so small. I think they have to go ahead and look at Ajax's Andre Onana. Like, Onana is a fantastic goalkeeper. He's yeah. so cool. And Poor calm. Ajax. Poor, yeah, yeah. Ajax this isn't the first. Part, they, it's, yeah. not the, it's not the first one that's going to go for Ajax. But I think Onana would be... I think you could probably get away with, with working him into the team for the first year. And then having him take over eventually, and that's at the certain, a certain point. Noy will probably accept the fact that he is he's he's basically on the downside of his career. So Anana, what's my name? Thirty million. It's impossible Dino? not to say that. <laughs> Thirty million, Dino. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah so we're gonna, we're pushing Maybe the less. budget. We're pushing the budget there to about one hundred and twenty million. I'm getting less. We're gonna have to sell. We have to sell someone. Jerome Botang could be Jerome Botang. Jerome Botang. They're willing to. Yeah, I think they're making him available for about twenty million. So yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's perfect. All right. So the prescription is. Andre Onana, Leroy Sané and Timo Werner for approximately £120 million and Bayern are a rejuvenated That's side. a nice revamp. That. It would be a good, good revamp. Right, let's get onwards. Number four. Who's number four, Sam? Number four. This is going to be a real tough challenge. It's Arsenal. Right. They are in a serious need of rebuilding, but they don't have any money to do it. <laughs> right, so... okay. Dean, why? Why do they not have any money? Why well, is the budget so let's just so think small? back for a second to the January transfer window when they literally had no money to spend. The reason that they do have money to invest in terms of transfer fees, the problem is they don't have any money for wages. Um, a lot of that is Meza Ozil's fault. Well, not his fault, actually. The people it's that agreed to give, him, to give him the deal that have actually now left the club. So that's, that's not completely his fault. Yeah. But let's remember... Aaron Ramsey now left Arsenal. Danny Welbeck leaving. Petr Cech retiring. That clears about 300 grand a week off the wage bill as well. If you can also, this is a long shot, but if you can also get Meza Ozil off the wage bill, which they are trying to do, it's just a real difficulty, then you really can open up the squad. But right now, the problem they've had is a lot to do with the wage bill, but it is opening up a little. Um, they just haven't got the funds in terms of, you know, 200 million we were just talking about of Atletico. What's the budget then? What are, we, what are we talking here? Without player sales, it's starting off at £45 million for Arsenal this summer. That's very low. Sam, what are you going to do with it? What are we doing is tricky. This is a tricky diagnosis. That I, I, I reckon if you, you could sell Mustafi and El Nenny as well, you could start to you could start to make this more like £70 million quid. That's true. There's probably three or four players in there that you, you can sell. Callum Chambers. Callum Chambers included in there. I mean, yeah, it's, there's quite a few. Um, this is tough. Centre-back has got to be addressed. Socrates needs a new partner. Koscielny now has to be managed very carefully because of his age and his Achilles injury. And we've seen that if he plays three games in a week, his performance levels really suffer. And Mustafi has made one too many errors for many fans. And he can't, he can't, be, he can't be relied on anymore. So centre-back, I think, is the priority. Well, Arsenal often play with three at the back. Do we need two centre-backs? Well, you've kind of got Monreal, 
Rob Holding, future Mavra Ballon, Mavra Panos. Mavra Panos, yeah. Uh, Rob Holding, future Ballon d'Or winner. He's going to come back from an ACL injury at some point. <laughs> so uh, I joke about Rob Holding, but he actually was playing very, very well before his injury. So it's not with the budget that that Dean has prescribed, we can't afford right. to. Who is it? Who's the centre back? Mark Bartra. Okay. Mark Bartra, I think, really, really suits Arsenal and specifically Unai Emery. Um, Very cool and calm on the ball, can bring it out of defence and play. I think is probably an underrated defender. Yeah. Uh, And I think he will probably go for an okay price, maybe 20, 25 million pounds. That's where I'd be placing Because Real Betis, they had a a strong start to the season, but they did fall away. They didn't achieve European football. They're probably not in a position to hold Bartra back and they they can't really lure him back in with European football football on offer so I think cost effective wise that could be a good one the other, option, the other option I think is Nikola Milenkovic who starred for Serbia at the World yeah. Cup 2018 but his fear on Tina's side as we talk now they are one loss away from potentially getting relegated it's been well Jack since you visited Florence on holiday earlier this year they've done nothing but lose <laughs> they've literally done nothing but lose so it's been it, it's been diabolical for the Viola since I uh, <laughs> since I went I saw them draw one all against Lazio and since then it's been a genuine just one downhill slope so <laughs> there you are I have to to stay if I go about so, so again potentially cost effective solution there someone like Nikola Milinkovic both of these players have plenty left in them both of them I think would suit the Premier League and would suit Unai Emery's style and I think could be got for £25 million or less and given the budgetary constraints that's a good start particularly right, like since it. they can't just sign anyone they have to sign a very good player like yeah. it's such a tough task here Yeah. moving into midfield you talked about an Aaron Ramsey replacement again it's pretty tough when you haven't got much money I look at Rafinha at Barcelona, spent back end of last year on loan at Inter Milan and has done very little in terms of playing football this year. Four starts across Is that the worry? across two competitions. I don't think it's been down to anything other than the fact that, look, Barcelona have got Artur, they have Busquets, they have Rakitic. There's no shame in not getting into this Barcelona side. And if you're telling me that that means he can't sign for Arsenal, that's ridiculous because no, these, no, no. these guys are levels apart. It's just lack of match practice is what I would be suggesting is a potential worry for Arsenal, no? Beggars can't be choosers. Aye, we have very wrong. little money here, Rafinha. Um, and the other, the other position of, of need for Arsenal is is a tricky winger or a, yeah, or a, or a skill player. player. Yeah. Um, I mean, they actually have quite a few, but they don't seem to like any of them, Dean. Ozil, Mkhitaryan? No, not particularly. Um, I think that they would take offers for both those players. We talked about Ozil, and I think Mkhitaryan just hasn't lived up to what we know he's capable of. Yeah, um, they are definitely an Inferian Fraser of Bournemouth. Um, do you think? How do you think that fits to your to your problem? I can't afford it. You can't afford we can't, it. We can't afford. We can't afford that. Uh, not if we spent enough money in it addressing only thirty million. Only thirty million. That's... It seems like a lot. I, I think Ryan Fraser is a wonderful footballer, but that does seem like a lot when the centre back is the main priority of issue, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. it's not a lot got... in the market. No, it no, might no, be a lot no, in no. The got... So this is the trickiest position because these players cost the most money, right? So cost-effective solutions. Yassine Brahimi from Porto is going on a free transfer. Malcolm at Barcelona is unwanted. Potentially good loan and potentially a good loan. And the other one, I thought, just 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 kind of really just trying to scrape the barrel here is Antonio Candreva at Inter Milan doesn't play that much because they have Politano and they have others. He's okay, and like genuinely, that doesn't sound great for Arsenal. But if you've only got a budget of fifty million or forty-five million, he might have to do. Yeah. But I think all this is, all this has done is outlined just how difficult it's going to be for Unai Emery again this summer. Uh, I have to ask: Does this change? Does the situation change if they win the Europa League and get to Champions League? Not really, no. I mean, it will change it slightly. I think um, someone suggested that he could get like 10, 15 million more, but ultimately that's not, that's not the issue. Like 
he's got to sell players. If he wants to significantly more money to spend, then he's got to sell. Right. So here, so here's, so here is the, the diagnosis or the, the prescription here is Mark Bartra, Rafinha and Malcolm on loan for a combined-ish £55 million. And uh, we've got to sell Mustafi to make it happen, guys. Right. Okay, excelente. Let's move on to number three, Sam. Who's in, who's in there? So the next patient is Atletico Madrid. Mm. Uh, a reasonable season. They look um, quite ill at the moment, don't they? It's, it's been a reasonable season, but they are facing a summer of genuine upheaval. And Desolation, this, I And this say. is a concern. So their star, their star attacker, Antoine Griezmann, has decided he is going to leave. Where we go, where he's going, we're not actually quite sure yet. It doesn't really matter. He's off, yeah. so let's bank that. The release clause, Dean? Uh, 120 million euros. Okay, so 120 million euros for Griezmann. That gives you a lot to play with, to be fair. Legendary defenders Diego Godin and Juan Fran are also leaving the club. They're hugely significant, yeah. all those three players. They've uh, they've already said they're... They're, they're well, done, their race is run. Yeah, I mean, they've already said their farewells to, to the Wanda Metropolitano, so that's done. That's going to leave uh, both a qualitative and emotional hold at the back yep. for Atletico Madrid, at centre-back and at right-back. There are two other key men here who are of concern, Rodri and Jan Oblak. Pretty confident about keeping Oblak this summer, but Rodri is a slightly different story. We might need to look at a central midfield option there. The budget, fortunately, is pretty high. You'd say after the go could spend 100 million or so anyway, but the player sales, Griezmann, 120 million euros. Lucas Hernandez has already been sold for a lot of money. We're talking 60-ish million pounds. Atletico could be looking That's at a war chest of 250, 300 million pounds if Rodri goes as well. Are they going to spend all that? That seems like way too much money for an Atletico to spend in one summer. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to spend that much money and actually make it work, but they're going to spend the majority of that money because, let's face it, you've got to if you're going to look to replace the kind of players that they've got to replace. You're replacing Griezmann. I mean, how do you do that? without spending a huge chunk of money. I mean, that, whoever you're looking, you're starting at at least £50 million to find a player that can fit that bill. Yep. And then you're looking at centre-backs that can fill in for two of the best central defenders we've seen in the last, what, five, six, seven years? Um, so they have to spend big money to make sure that there's no like ground in between and they just fall off a cliff because that's the danger at Atleti. If they don't replace them immediately with significant signings, they could fall out of the top four next season. Yeah, Sam, how many holes do we need to fill? Oh, goodness me. Okay, uh, it's at least one centre-back, maybe two. It's a centre midfielder. It's an attacker to replace Griezmann, and it's a right back. So, where do you want to start? Should we start with Griezmann? Start in the defence. Oh, start, start with at the start base. Start and the we'll base. Build to the top. Okay, let's go to centre back. Right. Now, influencing this uh, this prescription is that there have already been reports that Felipe from Porto pretty keen on signing for Atletico, and Atletico are pretty keen on signing him. Coincidentally, I think it would be a very good signing. I do want to throw it to Otamendi as well, who. Looks like he's saying goodbye to Man City. Mm-hmm. He hasn't played much football this season. He's way too good to sit on the bench for Man City. I appreciate Vincent Company has also decided to leave. But it does look to me like Laporte and Stones is the centre-back partnership for Man City moving forward. And if that's the case, Otamendi still should leave. Otamendi feels perfect for Atletico Madrid. Yeah, he does. He, does. He, he just feels like he was built to play for them. How much um, did it cost? Otamendi, how much? 30 million? Yeah, I think so. That's how much he cost them. Yeah, I don't I think, think they that's can quite ask for that reasonable. much more. Uh, Felipe, maybe twenty. I okay. think I genuinely think with the with the size of the war chest we're looking at, they could do both. Yeah, that sounds good. Right back. Yeah, so to play right back for Atletico Madrid, you've got to be a certain type of player. Got to be a bit of a rumbler. Oh, geez, yeah, you you, you can't, yeah, you you can't be Danny Alves esque. No, you, you can't be built on forward runs and crossing. They were just linked with uh, Kieran Trippier. 
Yeah, don't. Isn't everyone don't, Nick Kieran yeah, Trippier now? I, really I saw don't. Atleti might Nick Trippier from Napoli. Oh, wow. In order to <laughs> retain my medical license, I will not be recommending Kieran Trippier <laughs> to sign for Atletico Madrid because Good it man. would surely be revoked if I did so. Right, I'm actually going to go slightly off piste here. RB Leipzig's Lucas Klosterman yeah, is nice. a player many won't be familiar with, but he has been incredibly productive goals and assist wise recently and gets up and down like crazy. He's also quite big. Doesn't really look like a fullback. He's the rum. He's a, he's he a proper rumbler. The rumbler. Yeah, he is a rumbler. So I would recommend Klosterman with Felipe and Otamendi. That's three defensive signings already. Into midfield. Well, if you've got Felipe coming from Porto, why look any further than his colleague Hector Herrera, who also happens to be seeing his contract expire this summer. Poor old Porto. They're going to get mm. ripped apart as well. They are, yeah. I, I would go with Hector Ferrer. And th- then we we reach the, the point of Griezmann. Now, what are you looking for here? You're looking for a goal-scoring support striker. It's hard, but Bruno Fernandes? Bruno Fernandes of Sporting? He's been linked to Man City, Man United, clubs, yeah. quite a few different clubs. Which the link is around what fifty million or so. That's the sort of that's that's what people are talking. He has been he's scored so many goals this season, and he is ready for that next step. He is a possibility here, I think, and he could play that support striker role, and he could flourish in it. The other ones here, Ben Yedder from Sevilla. I think this is a really nice fit. Could be a could be a really nice fit in terms of just floating off a main striker in terms of Costa. I want to throw this one to the jury. What do you, what do you like more here? Do you like Ben Yedder, Bruno Fernandez? I think Ben Yedder is a good fit. Yeah? I think that yeah, I think that he's already well established with the league. I don't think you want to take any risks here. I think that you've got somebody that could fit the fit the role easily. Mm-hmm. Would be pretty low maintenance as well, which I think that Atleti need. You know, Griezmann, despite the fact he obviously um, made a a lot of fuss with documentaries and uh, Netflix and, and such. He never really threw his toys out the pram and stuff. You know, when he wanted to leave, he just said, I'm leaving. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did I, try and make another documentary, though, and they had to stop it. <laughs> I, do, I do enjoy that they were just like, absolutely not. So we're I just not think any of that. You know, ben Yedder, I think, would be a really good sign. Right, Sam, what's the full diagnosis then? And then we'll uh, move on. For a hell of a lot of money, they have signed Lucas Kosterman, Felipe Otamendi, Hector Herrera, and Ben Yedder. I tell you what, as a group of players, that's going to give you some optimism heading into the new season. I think so. Right, let's go on to number two. Okay. In at number two, it's some summer facing Manchester United. Right. Sixth place finish, no Champions League football, ended the season with a draw and a loss to Huddersfield and Cardiff, who are already relegated. What a job Solskjaer has in mind here. So... They're still sorting out their back room and, and their front office and things like that, but they are fairly adamant that they want to bring in some young players that might help shift the mentality at this club. But there are so many question marks here because David De Gea, could he stay? Could he go? Paul Pogba, will he stay? Will he go? These will inevitably shape the summer business. So I'm drawing a few lines here. Pogba's going. Yep. And he nets £150 million. David De Gea stays. And we're also going to work under the presumption that Dan James is going to sign because as we sit here recording, he is very, very close to signing the deal with Manchester United. Right, okay. So that's where we are. It creates a massive hole in central midfield because Ander Herrera has joined PSG and now Pogba's gone. So I think they need two centre mids. I also think they need two centre backs as well, very badly. I think Lindelof might be the only one worth persevering in that central defensive role. And they need to take, so basically rebuilding the entire spine. They don't need a right back as well. Diogo Dalla is the future. Okay, right. But they've been linked to Gareth Bale. Surely they need an attacking player. It's about whether or not they want to persevere with the 
resources that they've already invested in what is in a very expensively assembled forward line. I know that Juan Mata is leaving on a free transfer, but the contracts that they've handed out to Anthony Martial, Romelu Lukaku, and the new one that Marcus Rashford is expected to sign, not to mention the Alexis Sanchez thing. Yeah. We'll come on to Alexis. Can they genuinely justify throwing even more money at a player like Bale, given the cost associated? I mean, I think if you're a coach and you cannot find a way to get Martial, Sanchez, Rashford and Lukaku to work and to score goals, then you're not doing your job properly. Yeah, agree. Like, how, how can that be the case that you cannot get those four players to work? So I agree with Sam. I think, like, throwing money at Gareth Bale just isn't the answer to that solution. Like, you've got the resources there. Find a way to make that work. Before we get on to the full diagnosis, Dean, are they going to struggle to bring in big names? Obviously, we've just spoke about Danny James coming in from Swansea. That seems like an... I think he's a good player, but it seems like an underwhelming signing as as a United kind of, from a United perspective, I suppose. Um, given they have no Champions League and they're seen as a bit of a club in crisis, are they going to struggle to bring in these big names? I don't think they particularly want big names right now. Like when you speak to people uh, close to the situation and what they might look for this summer, they, they talk about the fact that Solskjaer is looking for people that are young, driven, ambitious and talented enough that they can make a push for the first team, but without all the other side of the the baggage that that comes with it, with people like Pogba and and with, you've seen with Sanchez and you've seen with Lukaku, like they don't want to be dealing with that anymore. They're Man United and they feel like you should want to be here. You know, you should be really proud to be here, and it shouldn't feel like an effort for you to put on the shirt. So I think that that's why somebody like Daniel James is going to be the first player that comes through the door. Like that's their aim because they want to set their their bar high and. I know it doesn't sound high, but they're like, we want to motivate people. We want to show that this is a club where you can reach your goals. And I think that Daniel James is a very good player and that he, is, yeah. he he will be able to achieve big things if he fulfills his potential. And that United's a potential place to do that. But then you look on the other side of things and you think, but you're not going to compete for the Champions League place next year if you don't bring in some proper players. And so I think in terms of big names, people like Ndombele, are about as big as you're going to get. And I, to be honest, I think that that is a good place as well to, to aim because he's so good, but he's also not Paul Pogba. Right, Sam, is he in there? Let's start there yeah. because he is the most high-profile player, I would say, that I have I have suggested to Manchester United. And Dombele is the kind of dynamic, talented player that could really lift this Manchester United side. Yep. Um, I think he, I think he could become one of the best midfielders in the world central midfielders in the yeah. world and he'll cost a bit of money here but I do think he's the right profile as Dean says he's young enough and hungry enough to really to really basically come in and try and prove himself even further um, I do actually think that clubs higher up the pecking order right now in the transfer market should be looking at Ndombele but I do think he might end up falling to a Tottenham or a Manchester United style team and he would be perfect I've got him pegged at around 60 million yeah that's fair that's and Leon up. are willing to sell him as well at that price uh, but don't forget Juventus have also been sniffing around. I think that that's the big problem. Oh, tough one there. And I think they need another centre mid, as I said. So I'm actually going to go with a more attacking and creative player there. Someone who can maybe drift into that number 10 space, but also play a little bit deeper as well. Danny Ceballos. Brilliant player. Brilliant, um, brilliant, brilliant player. Probably not going to be needed by Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid. And you can say that for quite a few talented players this summer. There's going to be a fair few that leave the Bernabeu. And I reckon a reduced rate compared to their actual ability. Yeah. And Danny Ceballos, who is 
has been in and around the Spain national squad, has been touted as, as a superb player and is a very talented technician. Wonderfully gifted. Absolutely player. great player. Again, someone who probably needs to prove themselves a little bit because it just hasn't gone that well since he moved to Real Madrid. He's been on loan back to Real Betis at times. He hasn't made the splash that he's wanted to. These are the kind of guys who are talented enough to play for Real Madrid, uh, to, talented enough to play for to Manchester United, but also lift them. Yeah, definitely. So now we move a bit further back. And my question here to Dean is, do you think someone like Kaladu Koulibaly would join Man United? I don't actually at the moment. I just think like for Koulibaly, you'd have to look at that and be like, is this a good step for me right now in my career? Like how long is it going to take for Man United to be a force again? And should I just wait for a bigger club right now? I'm not saying a bigger club in terms of like history and everything, but like, a club that is doing better. Challenging right? for a title. Like, he'd be better titles. off, yeah. What if Man City come in next summer? Like, he'd be better off going there because he's going to win things. And, like, as a player, that's... You can only think about the next two, three years. And uh, I career. think Koulibaly in the next few years isn't going to go to Man United and win big things. So, yeah. I don't think that they'll get him through the door because I don't think they're a big enough pool. No. Okay, that was my concern. And I have set the bar a little bit lower here for centre-back and... These are not the names that Man United fans are perhaps going to want uh, and perhaps going to love because I'm sure that they'd be looking at a Koulibaly or a Raphael Varane. But again, following that social Solskjaer profile, Nathan Ake, to me, as a left-sided player to allow Lindelof to play on the right, I think Ake is great. Yeah, he's yeah. very, very good. He's very, he's very, very good. And he's probably ready to step back up the ladder from Bournemouth. He already took the step down from Chelsea. He has excelled for the last couple of years. I think he's very good. Again, I think he fits that that profile. He's quite versatile as well. Bournemouth know that there's a danger that that's going to happen. It just feels like, because they've just signed, signed Lloyd Kelly, who is the same left-sided centre-back slash left-back, and the fact that they, in January, signed Chris Mepham, it feels like they are preparing for Nathan Ake's departure. I reckon you could get Ake for £30 million. Pounds. Yeah, you could. Yeah. And okay. then I'm actually going to add a dose of experience here as well. Nacho Fernandes, another Real Madrid player who, again, will probably leave this summer for a price that doesn't really reflect his talents. Real Madrid have signed Eder Militao from Porto for 50 or 60 million euros, depending on the fees. That's a lot of money. You now add Ramos and Varane in there. There's a, there's a, there's a chance Nacho leaves this summer. And I think as an experienced head and, again, a versatile player who can play left back and right back, I think he's worth looking at. And obviously, not to mention the trophy cabinet and the mentality that he brings having played Absolutely. for Real Madrid and Spain. So for me, the prognosis is Nacho, Ake, Ndombele and Ceballos. Probably not the star names that Man United have been linked with or, or fans want, but exactly the kind of profile that they need to rejuvenate this team and bring it back from up its, on its knees and, and talented enough to play for them if given the chance. I just want to ask one question on United. If they do sell some of the forward line, some of the attacking line, you know, there's been links of Lukaku to Inter Milan, a couple of those. Is there a striker you feel that could come in and do a job here at United, you know, who who would fit that bill? I I, I would like to see Rashford given the entire season up front. That's 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 my solution to it. I think when when he when Solskjaer first took the job and played Rashford up front, he was absolutely electric. And I do think that his future is there. I my solution would be to look in house there. I think Rashford should play the entire season as the first choice striker. And if at the end of the season, it hasn't come to what you want, then you make the decision. Okay. All right. Cool. Right then. That leaves us with number one. It does indeed. Which is? It's Real Madrid. Of course it is. Sure. It's Real Madrid. Uh, they are coming off the back of a dreadful season. I mean, look, they finished third in La Liga, 
but they lost 12 games. They got nowhere in the cup. Even their usual playground, the Champions League, they got knocked up, knocked up by Ajax and, you know, in their, on their own turf. It was a complete disaster. Um, and the reason I've ranked these at number one is because the four players that are about to essentially award Real Madrid are huge names. And we are talking... Are we talking a Galacticos 2.0 We're talking Galacticos 2.0. Okay. They have... 3.0. Their maybe, budget yeah. is going to be absolutely mad and only enhanced if they manage to get Gareth Bale off the wage bill uh, and off and off the books. Dean, how much are we talking here? How much is in the Real Madrid war chest? I mean, 400 million, oh. I think, we're going to be looking at for, for Real Madrid. Like, they've got no choice. They've got to go for they've it. Got and no if any club has spent 50 million on Eda Militao, like yep. you just mentioned. If any club's going to go for it, it's Real Madrid. Right then, Sam, what's the drill? Right. I think they're lacking star power up front since a certain Cristiano Ronaldo left. Yep. Um, I think Karen Benzema could use some help. He scores all their goals. And it's not going to happen forever. The midfield has lost a step. Modric, 33. Kroos, 29. Just signed a new deal, Tony Kroos. They could, yeah, I mean, that, Kroos is not the one that I would get rid of at all. I mean, he's, he's, he's still got three years or so, but I think they need refreshing. I think yeah. they need to take another look at another option there. They can't seem to pick between two great goalkeepers, so I'm not asking for another one. Just some advice yeah. there on who to play. Um, and they do have some really good young talent coming through in those forward areas. Vinicius Junior and Brahim Diaz are Raul two of them. Tomar. No, not Raul de Tomas. Um, but again, that star power, I think, I think we need to address that. And I think they will address that. So on to the names. And look, up front, Luka Jovic. I've heard of him. Widely, widely reported to be happening. Favourite of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's the BR Football Ranks champion. He uh, is. Luka Jovic. We've, we've spoken before. I think he has the mentality and the killer instinct to play for Real Madrid. I think he will be a huge success. We're, we're all but certain that's, that's happening. Yeah, I mean, it's just just the terms of it now just being ironed out, to be honest. Yeah, so um, 60 million euros, so about 52 million pounds. Uh, I think that it's an absolute no-brainer. It's it's barely anything when you're Real Madrid, is it? Yeah, not no, at all. Strikers are expensive, but not Jovic, apparently. This is, this, is, this is a good deal. Eden Hazard, another one that we've just been talking about for a long time. The price, Dean? It's always been £100 million. And it's still 100 And It's still £100 million. Chelsea just not budging. Madrid trying to get them to budge at the moment. Chelsea are sticking to it. I do actually worry for Vinicius Junior and Brahim Diaz if, if Hazard comes in. I do worry a little bit, but I don't think they have a choice. I think this is their chance to, to spend big and to return to the very top table. And they will be very worried that if they don't do it, they will fall One off. One of them is going to have to learn to play on the right. That, that's as simple as that. Like, it, it, that is going to be what's happening here. And, and what happens to Lucas Vasquez? Well, that's another question that's for another, another question. day. Right, go Central on. midfield, Paul Pogba. Backing Zidane to get the best of him here and backing Pogba to play up to the status of the club that Pogba he is playing Pogba would be for. great. He'd be such a good signing for them. How much? Uh, United, if he's to go, they're, they're setting their stall out high and being like, if you want Pogba, then it's 140 million. So, but it's within the budget. <laughs> it is within the realm of your budget. They're like, yeah, that's fine. Like, what do you mean? And we'll pay 150. Yeah. And, and one more to throw in, based on the fact that Marcelo has had a very poor season and the fact that Zidane doesn't seem to like Regulon very much. Alexandro from Juventus. I think this is a really clever move. Yeah. Because Juventus don't really like him. Obviously, there's a couple of people coming through in that in that gap there. Yeah, there's a, quite a few Juventus fans who will tell you that Leo Spinazzola should be their first choice uh, fullback and wingback. Obviously, they, they're going to get a new manager and this could all change. But if Real Madrid need one of the best left-backs in the world to come in and replace one of the former best left-backs in the world, you have to say with Marcelo now, then Sandro is the guy. Well, you have to think about it in terms of Hakimi coming back in, right? 
Yeah, but so he's still got another year on loan at Dortmund. I think Real Madrid have tried to wiggle out of that, but there's been no, there's no wiggle there's, room. There's been no wiggle room, unfortunately. So Hakimi comes back in a year. So take Sandro and Marcelo for one year, sell Regulon, and then sell Marcelo the following year, and you've got Hakimi and Sandro as your two. It makes perfect sense. I think it works. I'm not even going to bother talking about other options here because Alexandro, Pogba, Azad, and Jovic for about £350 million. Bang. Real that is a back. big summer, isn't it? They are that back. That is a big summer. You have sold, though. Bear in mind, over the course of this episode, Real Madrid have also sold Nacho. Yep. They've sold Danny Ceballos. Yep. They've just sold Regulon. Marcus Lorenzo could easily go. Jesus Vallejo could easily go. Mariano is unwanted. There are lots of players here. Real Madrid could, could raise £100 million in sales. Easy. 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 This summer. Absolutely. So it does, no it does supplement it. That's the prognosis. Real Madrid are back. Dean, work for you? Yeah, I think that if that came off, then Real Madrid are back in business. I mean, that's unbelievable. And I think that... Honestly, it's all realistic as well. I think Jovic will happen. I think Hazard will happen. I think Pogba can happen. And I think Alexandro, certainly if it's not him, then it's somebody of the same quality as him. Someone of that ilk. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, big things. We just fixed five clubs. I was going to say, we have fixed Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Manchester United and Real Madrid over the course of... 35 minutes yeah. or so. Yeah, watch it unfold over the next few months. There you are. That's the answer. If any of you want, you know, genuine full stop advice, you know where we are. You can come to us at BR Football Ranks. We only charge a nominal fee. Football, um, medical, whatever. We do the whole thing. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back with nonsense rankings and bleacher roulette. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It's that time you've all been waiting for. It's bleacher roulette. Sam, do you want to give her a spin? Ooh. Give me a fun team to play career mode on on FIFA or Football Manager. Well, it seems like one up your street. <laughs> yeah, it very much is, isn't it? Um, well, I very much maintain that Bayer Leverkusen are the most exciting team in Europe. And I also maintain that Atalanta are the second most exciting team in Europe. So I think giving one of those two a go would be quite good. Uh, on the new Football Manager, if Chelsea have a transfer ban, I think that would be a really good career because yeah. you'd actually be forced to make decisions on your loanees and make do with what you've got give you an opportunity to bring through Mason Mount and Reese James. So Chelsea on next year's football manager and Bayer Leverkusen on FIFA 19. Ajax would be fun because I would like cash in on all the talent and then like see if I can find the, <laughs> the, the next gen. Big, the next gen. Next generation I'm going to try and unearth the next gen and looking through Everybody the Everybody else is mourning the loss of Ajax's talent. Dean can't sell them all. wait to flip them. I'm like, how much can I get for these <laughs> lads? And I'm just going to keep it all in the bank because I'm going to bring the next lot through. Excellent. Well, I, I would maintain that Betis are, are great fun if you play them the right way. I was going to say Atalanta because Atalanta are exceptionally good fun. Uh, my favourite champion... Oh, football manager game is to bring someone up from the championship uh, and Bristol City uh, are a, an exciting little club with it with a lot of kind of talent coming through the pipeline and and there'd be one I, I'd be looking at so that would be my answers right. right Dean I'm going to spin for you yeah. whose career would you choose Philippe Lam or Danny Alves oh that's a great question that is a good question yeah that's a good question yeah um I'm going Danny Alves why? Just because it's Trophies. so. Just because it's fun. He just looks fun. So if he's having that much fun with it, I want to go and have that much fun with it. Play um, the mess is quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't messed about with his career really, has he? Like it, the places he's been, and like when you're Brazilian as well. Like I just feel like your life already is starting off on a high because you're having fun. Like Brazilians are just having <laughs> just fun. Have a great time. When you've got that much talent, like you're like, okay, just going to go with this. And Danny Alves ultimately does that. I'm not so sure about the PSG part because yeah. 
I don't think I would really be looking to join PSG, but he's obviously got the Neymar factor in there with him. I think they're pretty good mates. Yeah. So, uh, and Philippe Lam, to be honest, just bores me. No, nah, I'm taking Lum. I thought you so, would. That love, sums you up. Absolutely love the idea of boring Dean to tears, oh to be honest with goodness. you. I'm just obsessed with the World Cup and bringing joy to my nation. And Philip Lam has done that. And not only was that, he was, an, he was a key man in that run. And let's not, let's not pour scorn over his career either because he had one hell of a career. I guess his career is not personalities with comparisons. Man, yeah, yeah, serious managers as well. Uh, I appreciate they both have. But yeah, the World Cup tips it over for me. I'm Lam. I think it's it's a good question. Uh, I'm more in favour of Lam than Dean is. Uh, I think that he had such a wonderful career, and also that like bit where he moved into midfield and became yeah. like a little bit of a general in there under Pep and all of those things. But no, nah, it's Danny Alves for me. All those different things, and also to play in that Barcelona team that you know the maybe the greatest team of all time. And his style of um, play as well. And he's so fun to watch. Basically a forward. Yeah, now, he basically PSG. plays on the wing now for yeah. PSG. <laughs> yeah, does, and you're yeah. just like, what's going on? He's like, he's got to thirty. Most people get to thirty and they move backwards in the world. He's like, he's I'm going up front with Mbappe. <laughs> he just wants a crack at Let goal. Me up. They've both had a late career position. Yeah, yeah they have, absolutely. Yeah. But I'd be, I'm Team Danny Alves, but just. Okay, it's a cup final. Would you rather score a first-minute screamer or a last-minute tap-in to win your team the cup? I am all <laughs> about moment. So this is this is an easy one for me, but I love this question. It's very much last-minute tap-in. I, I think scoring a goal in the 93rd minute or whatever it is must be the most electric feeling in the entire world. So I, I think much as obviously you get remembered for, for screamers and things, I think that just for the rush of emotion of you scoring that 93rd minute, that would, that would push it over the edge for me, I reckon. I remember when I was a kid and we were playing in like a cup semi-final and it was a really scrappy game and it went to extra time and like right at the end of extra time, I scored one of the scrappiest tap-ins ever. Like it was all over the place, got stuck in the mud and I just like, the ball just stopped. No one could get there quick and I just smashed it in. Rubbish goal. Everyone mobbed me, jumping on me. Like that feeling, as you say, is like so much better. Like, I love scoring screamers. Obviously, everyone does. But in the first minute, you don't know what else to come. So you can't really celebrate it properly. Yeah. But a last minute tap in is amazing. Nope. First minute screamer. (laughs) I'd score a screamer in the first minute and then request a sub. (laughs) (laughs) And then please send out half for the rest. Sub, please, manager. I'll go off now. Two minutes in, I'm off. I just expect the lads to hold the fort. One nil. I take, take, take all the glory. I create my own moment. The thing is, you by the end the of the glory. game, they kind of forgot who scored. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Half. You got rushed off in the, in the no. kind of whole rush of winning the cup. Yeah. Not the goal that I scored, guys. You don't no. forget that. I think I, I remember scoring a goal for we we played at uni against sort of we had B's and C's playing each other in the same league, and um, we got battered with the C team. We got absolutely battered for ninety minutes, but it was one nil. And um, I scored a diving head. I've never scored a header in my life, but the ball was just bobbling around the box. I just sort of threw myself out. It went through someone's legs. And you went the, through someone's legs. All the old boys, <laughs> all the old boys were up for the weekend. So it was just like one of those where everyone came onto the pitch and there was a big pile on. And then they hit the bar twice in extra time. And it was like, but still like the greatest feeling. There's ever. nothing better than a bundle in a goal celebration. Especially you like, only really get that with last minute winners. Local derby as well. Oh, that wasn't amazing. a last minute winner. It wasn't. It was a draw, but it, you, you get the, uh, <laughs> also enough. when you're, when you're, the, story though. when you're the under when you're the underdog yeah a, a last minute equalizer often feels like a last does, minute winner Sam. so uh so that one right well that's the roulette wheel for this week we've, we've got plenty more please keep sending them in um and would you look at that time it's time for nonsense ranking sam what you got i didn't hear the siren the sirens in the background don't worry about I it i didn't hear the siren 
It's my favourite bit. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, for nonsense this week, I've picked my th- uh, three favourite cities that I have visited outside the UK and drawn a parallel for each one with a Manchester United player. <laughs> <laughs> At number three is Stockholm. Yeah. Very variable weather. Minus figures in the winter, but height of summer can be 30 degrees. You could say it blows hot and cold. When it's nice, it is really nice. But when it's not, you want almost nothing to do with it. It is extremely expensive. And while you were happy to spend the money at the time, you do come away asking whether or not it was a genuinely smart move. Stockholm is Anthony Martial. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. At number two is Turin. Turin is far from your go-to Italian destination when you think holiday to Italy. You think the stunning views of Florence. You think Rome and the Colosseum. You don't think Turin, but you should. It's a lovely city and people don't realise it because they're too busy looking at the big names or the bigger catastrophes around them. It gets overshadowed and doesn't get the attention it deserves. Turin is Diogo Dalitz. (laughs) (laughs) Having a great time. In at number one is Prague. Prague looks beautiful in pictures. Buildings steeped in tradition, incredible architecture that dominates the skyline. The old town has the astronomical clock. It has the old preserved Jewish synagogue. There's the Charles Bridge. There's the Lenin Wall. It is so quaint and picturesque. You're sold on the idea of Prague using that traditional look. When you get there... It's a bunch of drunk stags and bachelors stumbling around over brick roads, dressed as dinosaurs or all in latex, pissing up the walls. It is absolutely nothing like what you expected or what you were sold by the pictures. And it is a shadow of what it once was all those years ago. Can you guess the final player parallel? Dean? Pogba. (laughs) Prague is Alexis Sanchez. I I was joking, by the way. (laughs) Very, very good. And there you have it. Stockholm, Turin, Prague. Genuinely, they're all We said we were going to talk about Alexis Sanchez on this podcast, and I didn't (laughs) realise it was going to go up in that We really, really did, but it only came right at the very end. Well, thank you, Sam. That was excellent as ever. Uh, That's us all wrapped up for this week, and all that's left for me to do is to say thank you to our two doctors today, to Dispenser Dean Jones and Surgeon Sam Tai. I've been Jack Collins. We hope that you've enjoyed today's clinic on who needs what this summer. Remember to get involved in all things pod using the hashtag BRFootballRanks. Get the three of us on Instagram or Twitter. There's loads of pod content all over our basically our social accounts. It's basically all we post anymore because this is now <laughs> this is now a full time thing. Um, there's loads of pod content. If you haven't already, make sure you've downloaded the BR app for the best sports and culture content. Please keep sharing the pod. Please keep telling your friends. Please keep giving us ratings and reviews on iTunes. It all massively helps with us in terms of growing and becoming bigger and better for you. And hopefully one day down the line, that means more than one pod a week. Big love. Rank Squad. We'll see you all next week.